From Twin Cities Business, this is By All Means, a show about innovation, drive, and purpose, and the leaders who make business work in Minnesota. I'm Allison Kaplan, your host and editor-in-chief of Twin Cities Business Magazine. We're coming to you from the studios of our presenting sponsor, the University of St. Thomas's Opus College of Business, serving more than 3,000 students enrolled in its undergraduate and graduate business programs. The college develops effective, principled business leaders who think globally and act ethically. And now, by all means. While working at Health Partners, Katrina Anderson noticed that medical students were having trouble signing up for clinical rotations. The system is patient-facing, which is great for consumers, but makes onboarding tough for medical professionals and future medical professionals. She had the idea to create a platform that allows hospitals to post their clinical rotation schedules online so students can easily sign up. She called it Clinician Nexus. Founded in 2016, the startup has already raised $750,000 and is in 95 hospitals, 136 schools, and boy, she's just getting started. Katrina, what an honor to have you here today. Congratulations on all the quick success. Thank you so much. You've done a lot in a very short time. And I'm so curious what, first of all, we should say you're a University of St. Thomas grad, twice, (laughs) undergrad and MBA program. Did you start out here, if you can go back to your freshman year as an undergrad, were you focused on being in business, being an entrepreneur? Were you interested in healthcare? What, What started it all for you? Yes, not not at all. So I was actually a communications undergrad, and I personally was trying to emphasize all of my coursework, all of my experience on video production. Oh, that was my my thing. And I, what minored- did you think you wanted to do? If I had asked you when you were, you know, an undergrad, yes, I had an idea for a TV show my sophomore year that I wanted to pursue, and I just wanted to do that all over campus. I did a lot of video work for the campus as a student here. Okay, um, but I think I just wanted to mass communicate whatever I needed to. That was kind of my, (laughs) whatever it might be. I actually minored in theology and I maybe in an unpopular opinion love talking about the things we're not supposed to always talk about. The politics and religion, I think, are the things that if we can talk about in a respectful way or kind of what impact how we decide to do everything that we do. So I think I was just curious about that and just wanted to learn about the intersection of all of that uh, at St. Thomas. Okay. And then it was through an organizational communications course that I just fell in love with the topic and the topic of, of organizational communication. Okay. Okay. Meaning how a company communicates with its employees. I was very fascinated with how a company company's communication strategy and the way that they did everything would have impact on families and then, you know, the children that grew up. And I just was really, I I love connecting the dots. So fell in love with that. But then my senior year, um, right, my husband and I got married after my junior year and then my senior year, he was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. So it kind of started off as a serious end to you know, kind of what should be a really adventurous push out into the world Yeah. Um, as a senior. And it gave me a very different lens than I had, of course, at the beginning of my, I'm sure. my degree. How is he doing now? He's doing well now. Very oh, well. I'm glad yes, to hear thank that. Goodness. Um, yeah. But so how did you, is that how you found your way to working at Health Partners? Yeah, in a roundabout way, I ended up Falling in love with the way that the first person who walked or who greeted us when we walked into the clinic every day that he would have chemo, they could make or break kind of your experience when you walked in. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up working at a health partners clinic in Hudson 
as he was finishing treatment to kind of pay it forward. And what were you? What was your job? I was a registrar the at the front desk, just scheduling patients and kind of prior authorization, different okay. things of that nature. So, so you were doing this as a step, but at the, but at the same time, you're still thinking that you're going into communications. Yes, you're going to be a filmmaker. Yeah. You're 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 doing that. That's yes. what you're really going to do. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then through kind of an interdepartmental job posting, I found an internship for a video role at Health Partners Corporate in uh, Bloomington. So I was like, oh, great. Let's let's apply. Yeah. Um, and I ended up getting that internship. And in the first year, we made over 100 videos for the organization and ended up um, producing that content and disseminating it either to internal stakeholders or to our learners that were coming into our system. I worked in the Health Partners Institute is what it's called at the time. We were um, kind of evolving uh, at that time, had continuing medical education, education for students and patients kind of encompassed as well as research in that organization. So I kind of just, yeah, had a really great opportunity to work with a really bright team and we just got to make a bunch of fun videos. So sounds great. Yeah. So (laughs) what, so when did you start thinking about scheduling? How did you get there? Yeah. So, um, again, I had a really, really, I loved the team that I worked with. Felix Ankle was the vice president at the time that I was working there. And um, he was just an absolutely incredible thought leader in emergency medicine uh, and had really great ideas and a really great vision for what we were going to do. And I was, I just, I think that as I told him, actually, what I had just learned about leadership at St. Thomas, he exemplified hmm. in many ways. Wow. Um, and so I was excited to to be a part of his team. And part of his vision was thinking about the way that education was going to look in 2020 and beyond. Um, and this was in 2014, um, 16. So looking uh, futuristically, now it's kind of fun. It's almost 2020. It's <laughs> kind of a, a crazy, uh, a lot has happened since then. But uh, he was very much forward thinking about how we were going to kind of get in front of taking care of our clinicians and educating them really well as it impacted patient care. And one of the things he decided to do was kind of sunset some of our uh, actual video work and get more into content curation rather than creation. And so that evolved into, okay, what what are the platforms that we have to communicate to our students that come through our organization, to our physicians and nurses that we're already teaching, and kind of beyond, and how can we share what Health Partners is learning here? So mm-hmm. that's kind of how it evolved. And then I ended up working with a great team of people to figure out how those platforms looked or didn't look. And what we ended up finding out was that... Um, as fun as all that information was, we didn't have a great platform to just communicate basic administrative information to our students. Hmm. So that kind of became the very beginning of Clinician Nexus and what it is now. It's amazing how with all the technology we have today, and it feels like things should be so simple, sometimes you overlook the very basics. Yes. So yeah. you start to get this idea that, geez, we're not doing the best job we could be communicating with our clinicians and with students. Did you say to yourself, this is a million dollar idea, I'm going to leave and go do this? Did you did you think about trying to do it within health partners since you were working there? Like, what were the steps that you took? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I definitely was not trying to start a business at all. I became very fascinated with one of my, if the strength finders, one of my strengths is connectedness. So I kind of just have a ton of fun connecting the dots. And actually, while we started looking at how students were coming through our system, 
I started looking at different MBA programs. I'd kind of always wanted to do a business degree just because it would kind of marry the concept of organizational communication put in practice in business. Smart. And so I, I had I met with professors got their advice, you mm-hmm. know, which kind of route to go. And actually one of my bosses at Health Partners saw over my shoulder that I was applying for the program. And I hadn't even told my husband yet. <laughs> so I was like, oh, oh no. And she was like, you should do this. I did this program. I was cohort 18 and I was just so excited. And I wasn't trying to start a business out of it. I think I was trying to be a better communicator because I saw the impact that we could really have as a department on our organization and our community. And I just wanted to be helpful. Sure. um, Did you leave uh, Health Partners to go back to grad school? uh, No, it was a full-time MBA program. So you were required to be working throughout the program. Okay. Uh, It was a, it's a great program, a cohort of of over about 30 other people in all different aspects of healthcare. Um, And so it was kind of just an interesting time where our projects were working out in such a way where we were going to different clinics and finding out how we could be helpful as a central office. And then I was getting my MBA at the same time. And it ended up accidentally or not accidentally coinciding almost perfectly with kind of thinking through those questions. Do I stay here? Do I leave? And it kind of gave a really good baseline for thinking through a lot of those things. So I actually, um, yeah, was planning on just helping health partners. That was my intent because it was kind of part of my role in being there was Mm -hmm. to just help us figure this out. Um, And what we found was that in many ways, We had just grown as an organization and had many clinics and hospitals all over. And so it wasn't that we didn't have something great. It was that we didn't have something that fit this new kind of merged organization. And so the new platform became kind of a an obvious thing that surfaced on the top of the list of of ways we could improve this. So you make this sound so easy. You're so casual. <laughs> but meanwhile, you're you're working on an MBA. You've got a, a, a pretty big job at Health Partners. You've got this idea for, for this thing. W- when was the first time that you scribbled out the word, you know, clinician nexus? When, when did you start plotting that out and thinking this is a business in and of itself? Yeah, yeah. Um... It would probably be December of 2015 that I I wrote it, I wrote it out. Um, I actually ended up meeting my now co-founder Bob. He worked just around the corner from us on a on a development team at Health Partners, and we were looking for tools. Uh, or we had a tool inside of our organization called Provider Search where we could figure out what our directory of clinicians were. And I asked him if he knew about it, and he was like, "I built that." And I was <laughs> like. Well, that's convenient. Yeah. <laughs> Great. And so he and I kind of just went back and forth about the platform. And a lot of it was more focused on how does this platform work uh-huh. more than it was about the business side of it. It was just that this would really serve our needs and have great impact kind of beyond and, and without getting too technical, I mean, for those of us who never come in contact with any of these kinds of systems, um, why couldn't that platform have done what you needed? It, I mean, it doesn't sound that complicated, right, to, to yeah. help people fill out their rotation schedule. Why couldn't they use the software that they already had? Yeah. So in many ways, a lot of uh, our coordinators were using Excel and that's a great tool. It's a very powerful tool. Everybody uses it, but it doesn't communicate the most up-to-date information to those incoming students or to your school partners who are maybe looking for accurate real-time data on your capacity to teach. 
So it's kind of like we we kind of refer to what we're doing now as as like LinkedIn meets Airbnb because there's more of that real time piece into it that's really important. If you're exchanging information about you know, the availability of something via email, it's just kind of dependent on the business hours and when someone can respond. And um, it, it is very, very complicated. I, you know, I like that, though, yeah, that LinkedIn meets Airbnb. So you're you're yeah. creating a, a, a platform, a network and giving people real time the, the latest information. Kind yes. of amazing that no one had done that. Yes. So yeah. so you talk to Bob, right? Yep. And he built that platform. Did the two of you immediately say, we got to go do this separately? Or did you think about doing it within Health Partners? Um, so we had explored doing it inside of Health Partners, absolutely. And during that time, I think what became very apparent was that, you know, we were amazing at patient care, amazing at insurance, but we hadn't necessarily seen a technology come out of a healthcare system that could benefit every other health system mm. in this way, mm-hmm. kind of from the business side of it, not from the technology side of it, sure. but more so that it wasn't going to be the top five priorities for the organization. So I had asked for permission to leave so that we could make this kind of the core priority and make it a true pl- platform that would be able to serve every health system in every school, not just in the U.S., but in the country or the globe, excuse me. So that was kind of the the goal. We want to get that vision fully kind of life. Okay. So we, we both ended up leaving, uh, in April of 2016. And then what? You've left. You've got this idea. (laughs) Now what? Do you know how to code? I didn't know. No. (laughs) Did you go out and find developers? Did what, what did you raise money? Like, what do you do first? Yeah. So, um, thank goodness Bob's best friend is an amazing developer. So he had been lifting with him actually telling him about the idea as we were. Lifting weights. With lifting weights. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I'm doing the motion. No one can see this. (laughs) Um, they lift weights and, uh, power lift and he had kind of been sharing with Tim about the idea idea on and off and he is an absolutely incredible architect and engineer and he was like I could like play around and help you guys out and he just did it cool built the first login screen on over a weekend and 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 was it kind of what you had in mind um it was better Tim's Tim's a way better UX UX UI's like user experience user interface kind of um he can design that um much more beautifully than I could actually so our original kind of scratch uh, chicken scratch versions aren't as great as what Tim has done but it was it was interesting to let go of it but it he owns it majorly now. Yeah, that's amazing. So, okay, so you have the the beginnings of a, of a product that you could show. What do you do? Do you start taking it around to hospitals? Do you? Yes. How did how did you get it out there? Yes. So we spent a lot of time. We joke in Tim's basement, just going through kind of here's what we knew. We had done so much research through working at Health Partners. Um, to just know what we needed. So we had a lot to do just to give a health, a hospital or a health system kind of a rough version of it. So it wasn't, um, we had just had a lot of work to do to get a working product. Yeah. And we wanted people to be able to log in and start playing before we brought it to them. So we spent a lot of our time building that out. I was doing my MBA program. Oh, you're still in school at this point. Yeah, I was point. still in school. Okay. Yeah. I finished um, a year after that. So we ended up going to um, a number of hospitals. I actually went to a conference in Orlando after I had left 
had a list of a bunch of hospitals and I knew this group, it's called the Association for Hospital Medical Education, is a crew of people that really love what they do. And mm -hmm. so we're like, these are the people that would want to beta test something. Emailed a few of them. Denise Adams from Riverside University Health System was the first and only to respond. Um, we <laughs> just had a chat over the phone and I explained what we're trying to do. And she called the, she emailed us about an hour later and she said, um, we love what you're trying to do. We admire your bravery in doing it and we're on board. Huh. And so we're like, great, we have someone to build it with. So um, it was so important to the three of us in the beginning to build this with a health system and not for a health system. Um, and, and on the note of the Twin Cities, I think it. we would have loved to work with the health system here. It just kind of happened to be who responded. It was not a strategic um, decision to go outside necessarily. It was just kind of who had, had um, gone first. And I think it was good to not build it with health partners because then it could have just been designed sure. from health partners' needs You were maybe too close. Yeah. yeah. So it ended up being so, so when you say you built it with them, you were able to kind of test it and, and listen to them as far as what features they would need or how this would need to, to work. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it ended up looking like which we weren't complaining, but we would fly out to L.A. or in Riverside. So it was an hour outside of L.A. Um, every other month. And so during the month we were here, we'd be building. Then we would bring it out there and they would test it. And it was in March of 2017 that the all of the students came on for the first time. So we had about 100 students come the first time. And what was um, that like? Through that. It was so fun. Um, we'll never forget that. And we were like, we have to make sure to give all of them t-shirts to say thank you <laughs> because we recognize that they're very busy people. And this is a very hard spot to innovate because medical students and nursing students, they're just already overwhelmed. And so are hospitals. So, yeah. so we were very grateful. Um, but everything's better with a t-shirt. Yeah, always. As long as yeah. always a t-shirt. <laughs> so were you, when those first students started using your platform, your product that you've been thinking about and incubating and building, were you sitting at a screen watching from behind the scene? Could you see all of this activity on your platform? Um, we, we got emails that said new, new user signed up. So we had lots of emails come through. And then in the early days, we don't do this at this time anymore, but there are good tools that you can use to watch how people click through your product in the early stages. And it, and it worked? And it worked, yeah. Okay. People yes. weren't, things weren't breaking down. No. You weren't d double, triple booking things or? No, no. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Meanwhile, at this point, you're still in grad school. Are you paying any attention to your classes or were you sort of... <laughs> I won't tell your professors. Yes. Yeah. No, I was actually. The classes perfectly served what I needed to know. So it, it just actually was a really great place to kind of have a, a safe place to ask a lot of questions as we were doing this. Um, In a way, I mean, taking the the risk, you, you said yourself um, earlier that you're sort of an accidental entrepreneur. You, yes. you didn't go to school thinking, I want to start something. You just sort of found yourself on this journey. Yes. Yeah. Um, so it that's risky. I mean, people who I think are born entrepreneurs just have that in them. If you're not one of those people, it feels a little risky to quit your day job and just go do something. The fact that you were still in school, did that kind of cushion it a little bit? Did it make it easier to to go try this? Um, yeah, may maybe. I think it had less to do with maybe my circumstances and more to do with when we were out kind of weighing the options of doing it or not doing it. I think the risk of not doing it was actually worse to me because of the outcomes of this. Um, I I had been studying 
and this is kind of like the nerdy history stuff that I get into, but <laughs> the, historically as a health system, when we have invested in restructuring medical education as a system, it's increased patient outcomes exponentially. And we haven't done it for a long time. You know, we're talking about tuition and that's a big deal, but there's more structural things underneath that. And we've evolved so much as a system and haven't really restructured it. So it, we were kind of imagining a world without clinician nexus in the future. And that was a little scarier than leaving my job at hmm. that time. So, okay. And a simple. <laughs> yeah. So this this thing starts to take off. It, it's being used. Then what? At, at a certain point, do you say we have to go raise money to, to really do this? Did you have to start hiring developers? What were the next steps? Yeah. So we, um, my husband and I, not necessarily to fund this, but sold our house and moved back into the cities. We were living in Wisconsin, just over the river a little bit when we started this. So we, we were able to kind of sustain off of that. Um, and then Bob and Tim, we had, we had some family and friends that just gave us a small investment and a convertible note in the beginning as well. And then we kind of just kept bridging. We, we didn't ask for a lot because we were very committed to making sure that we actually had the product built and it was working before we asked for any money um, in that regard. And then in 2018, we were so grateful. Um, this is actually I don't know that we've ever shared this with the HCA. The HCA is the Hospital Corporation of America in Nashville, Tennessee. They are the largest for-profit health system in the country. And we didn't know that at the time. I didn't know who they were. Mm -hmm. But someone from HCA signed up on our platform out of nowhere. And we were like, who, who is this? And what is this? Yeah. And then we Googled who they were. And they're like 180 hospitals in 20 states. Oh, boy. And this was at the end of just finishing building this. And, and you think they were just kind of checking it out to see what? What it did? Yeah, we're like, well, what is this? So we set up a, a first conversation and they had informed us they were looking to build or buy something like this. So the timing just worked out perfectly. Um, and they wanted to inform our scaling version of this, our scaled version where multiple hospitals in one system could use the platform. Um, and so that ended up providing us a good kind of means to say, hey, if you kind of bridge us some cash, we're about to have a major paying customer on our platform. So that kind of helped bridge us. And then they became a paying customer. So where? So you didn't get the cash from the hospital, no. but that allowed you to go out and talk and to investors. Where, where do you go? Um, yeah, I think in the... In Minnesota, it's it's growing and changing, and we've got a lot more options than we did, you know, a few years ago. And I'm also terrified to ask for money. I didn't want to ask my mom, dad for money for my track jersey in high school. <laughs> so I was kind of like, I just, you know, like I want to make sure that what we're doing works before I ask for yeah. money. Um, so we were grateful to have um, some angels that we had met through different networks. And um, the University of St. Thomas ended up investing in us as well. So there were a number of, of different great relationships that just kind of happened organically and family and friends supported us as it's well. It's so fascinating talking to founders. You've got this idea, you're passionate about it. And then as you get going, a big part of your role becomes raising the money to execute on the vision. Have you come to enjoy that part of it or do you still <laughs> hate asking? I think I... I think it's fun and enjoyable when you are feeling very confident about your strategy and your product and your team. And so it, I would say it's it makes my job easier because we have a great product and a great team. And I, I think we have a winning strategy. Um, I think it's terrifying if you were to be, get get pushed out in that place too soon because it's almost like, you know, 
you know, you're kind of just growing and you don't really, you need to figure what that, figure out what that looks like before you can just put it out there for people. Because if you're not ready to take some hits on your ideas with it, then it's maybe a little too early. So I think people end up hating it because we're kind of forced to do it prematurely for our companies. Mm. But um, yeah, it's, I think it's, I, mean, I don't think anybody really likes doing it, <laughs> but, but it, yeah. They like receiving it maybe, yeah, receiving maybe, yeah. the, the money. Um, yeah. How many people work for Clinician Nexus now? There are seven full-time uh, on Clinician Nexus, and that's a mix of developers, customer experience. Um, Do you have an office? Uh, yep. Okay. Yeah. We office out of Industrious in the North Loop. Okay. Yeah. Um, and how do you spend most of your time? Are you are you constantly looking for new hospital partners? Are you developing new new technology or what what are you doing? Yeah. So personally I'm I am a huge believer in the wisdom of many counselors. So I try to spend a lot of my time learning from our advisory board and from our student advisory board. And I think that anything like this wins only if you have authentic relationships with people because what we're doing is essentially asking health systems to trust us to hold their data on the students coming in that gets audited in some ways. And there's inf- there's sensitive information that we're collecting. And so we can't, you know, uh, traditional sales tactics don't work or the consumer marketing, you know, driving kind of as many email blasts as possible doesn't work. So, which I love talking to people. So I'm like, this is a fun job. So <laughs> um, we have a really incredible advisory board who I, I get great advice with. They help make introductions for us. And that student advisory board I mentioned um, just helps us understand where they're hearing things and what they're saying and what kind of makes their lives easier. And I just, I get to play connect the dots a lot of the time for our team. Mm-hmm. And I probably just have way too much fun still doing. It's fun to just have a company that you kind of have to do everything all at the same time. So really? I can't, you can't always let go uh, of everything. And it's a, it's an evolution. I think it changes probably every month. <laughs> are you, are you working all the time? Um, I try, I try to be mindful that, um, I'm an example to my team and rest is important. We're in a marathon, not a sprint. If we were a consumer facing product, there might be different um, kind of things uh, approaching that. But I I heard really recently, actually, uh, as part of a healthcare accelerator that we were just a part of out in California for the summer, somebody made a really wise comment that there's a difference between working and having output time. And I think that I'm working all the time, but my output time is what people can see and that's when I'm in the office. So hmm. um, that's what I try to be mindful of what um, that looks like. Okay. So. Um, do Where do you see this going? Do you have certain goals this year, five years? What do you see happening with Clinician Nexus? Yes. Um, I think, well, we're, we're excited because this is kind of a turning point for us where our product is working and in a bigger way than it ever has before. And that is a really great position to kind of do the next thing. So we found out that our beta site, having had been the longest user of our platform, has increased their capacity to teach students by 17% using our platform. And they've saved over 50% of their time in managing all of this. Wait, break that down for me. What do you, yeah. what, what do you mean by that? So in what becomes a problem that is kind of easy to see is that a lot of students are knocking on the doors of hospitals asking for clinical experience to finish their their entire experience. 
And that some, isn't set up for them by their medical school. It can be in some cases, which is the answer is always it depends. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, but in some cases, for example, nurse practitioners or fourth year medical students may have to go find their own experiences. Um, and in some cases, they're competing for the same slots that those schools that are already affiliated with those hospitals are kind of working from. So it's there's a lot of competition for slots, essentially. Hmm. So weird. Kind of, I never yeah. would have thought about yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. So um, to increase the capacity at a hospital is a huge deal for this community because this becomes something that contributes to why we might not have enough physicians in the future. Hmm. Um, if we don't have enough slots to teach, then they just can't graduate on time. That's kind of the the simple version of it. So to increase capacity to teach is a big deal for one hospital. Um, and we're excited about what that would mean for the entire ecosystem. Um, and and we're also very excited. We just get to now start connecting the community in our platform. And it's really fun when hospitals sign up and then they connect with their affiliated schools and their students and they see profiles and pictures of each other and they connect and and they just all work from there and it, it humanizes this whole experience a lot more. So so now that they're once they're in your system, are you starting to think, well, gosh, maybe there are other things we could do with them with, within this platform besides the the scheduling of the clinical time? Yes, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think the heartbeat of it all will be very education focused, just given that that's the lens that I came from. And I think I, one of the books that we had to read in our MBA program was called The Goal, and um, he made this. Um, the The whole book was essentially on how do you how do you improve operations in a business or in anything that you do. And what was fascinating to me about it was in the very beginning of the book, he mentions that culturally, when you have a world that believes that education is an event rather than a process, everybody loses because you stop improving. Hmm. And that's what drives anything forward. And so I loved that. And I'm a messy person that's I'm constantly evolving and trying to grow into a CEO is a it's an it's a an expedited awkward situation. <laughs> <laughs> um, which again, I never, it's not an identity that I ever thought I would work yeah. with. And, um, and so that's kind of, I, I like that because I think it just makes it feel like you don't have to have it all figured out. And I think there can be a graciousness with even physicians who they don't know everything. There's just no way a single person could know everything. And so, uh, it kind of breeds that whole idea that we're growing and changing and evolving. And we have a forward mission for excellence and just better and not best. And I think if we infuse that in our healthcare system a bit more, I think we'll have amazing benefits out of that. So yeah, that's, that's amazing. Do you at this point, do you feel more passionate about just growing a business, this business in general, or is it really healthcare? I mean, I, you're, you're very young. I'm going to guess this isn't going to be the only thing you do. You'll probably sell it for millions and millions of dollars, maybe. <laughs> is that is that kind of a goal? <laughs> yeah. So I have lots of ideas of things that I would like to do. Um, absolutely. But I think in this particular instance, um, I think it has to do with healthcare. I mm -hmm. think it's a lot of it's unintentional. I didn't realize it's but deriving out of just my husband's experience yeah. and wanting to. How is your husband now and what is he doing? Is he involved in the business too? Um, He's our photographer. Okay. So he's a photographer and he takes pictures of our team when we need them. But um, um, yeah, he's doing very, very well. I think through that experience, 
you know, there were decisions that were made on his behalf that were great for his health, and there were some that were made that weren't so great for his health, and we're living with some of those hard decisions that were made. And so I think it just gave that really raw experience of we have an amazing healthcare system, so grateful to be in the U.S. system, but we have a lot of work to do to make it even better. And so I think being a part of that mission is I can get out of bed every morning and it, it's it's great fun. Um, but yeah, of course, I have like an extremities idea of a of shoe company idea. <laughs> it's like I, I think the business served the mission and I want to make sure that that's always the focus of this. But now it's like, wow, once you learn how it works a little bit, you're like, oh, I could start this shoe company because I have this problem where I've large feet. I'm tall and I just need shoes that don't hurt my okay. feet for work. Like, so that's little... kind of health related <laughs> yeah, maybe, with a yeah. fashion twist yeah, to it. Yeah. It's okay to have a little fun too. <laughs> yes, so now yeah. you've got the bug. Now yes. you're truly in that entrepreneurial mindset. Yes. Yeah. But I do majorly recognize that with what we're doing, this isn't an overnight uh, win and this is a we're in this for the long haul as a team and um, wherever it goes uh, from that uh, we just take it one step at a time so well it's super impressive I know you just uh, took on a new investor too yes. more announcements to come yes. in the near future so congratulations thank on that you. I'm sure we'll be hearing more about clinician nexus and about you Katrina thank you so much for sharing your story here yeah, with us today you. stick around next we're going back to the classroom with the University of St. Thomas Opus College of Business. They must love your story. <laughs> and now, back to the classroom with our sponsor, the University of St. Thomas Opus College of Business. Katrina's using technology to create healthcare solutions. Did she learn that in school? Well, let's find out. Let's ask Dan McLaughlin. He's the director of the Center for Innovation in the Business of Healthcare at the University of St. Thomas Opus College of Business. Dan, what did you think hearing how Katrina approached this problem that she discovered while working in healthcare? Well, I think the uh, solution is great, and um, I appreciate the fact that I think Katrina used some of the solutions that we actually teach in our classes. Pat yourself on the back for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I'm not. I, Katrina was in one of my classes. I can't remember if it was one of our operations classes or not. I think it was a different one. But nonetheless, I know the people that teach there. I'm in the same department with them here in the College of Business, which is the Operations and Supply Chain Management Department. Okay. So one of the things we teach, and she mentioned it in her story, is the theory of constraints. She talked about the book, The Goal. Mm -hmm. And so we teach that that book has a lot of interesting theories in it. But one of the key ones is a theory of constraints. It's where you look at bottlenecks in a process. And she found a bottleneck in the scheduling from both the student side and the hospital side. Right. And then she fixed it. And then once that happens, then you find out your system runs a lot more efficiently and you find other bottlenecks and you continue to, to fix those. So she was using a key principle. And one of the things that's kind of fun is that we are in our department now are using more of that theory in our teaching, but also using a lot more digital tools. And so we have this great um, grant from the GHR Foundation to help us upskill all of our colleagues, my colleagues, and me too, um, with digital skills. So as we teach our operations to our students, we're not only teaching the classical stuff like the theory of strength, we can also bring in all the new digital tools. Okay, so more opportunities to apply tools to similar problems. Right, and as we see the digital technology kind of booming right now with robots and artificial intelligence and mm -hmm. all those kind of new tools, it's really exciting because we can handle some problems that were really hard to handle operationally before. And now we've got these new uh, digital automated tools to um, use to make 
operations run a lot more efficiently. And we, of course, want to be right on the leading edge of that. And that's what we're doing. So interesting to see how someone zeroes in on a problem and fixes it. But I guess having all of that background, having your class, I'm sure, helps a lot. Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, um, and actually, I talked to one of my other colleagues who also was teaching. And he's actually a physician that works with us as an adjunct. But um, he remembered her and said, oh, yeah, I remember talking to her about this project and helped her get started on it. So how about so that? we are helping her two different ways, I think. Once with the technology we teach and also just with our connections into the healthcare system. Nice to see it come full circle. Yes, sir, it is. Well, thank you, Dan, for being here. Thank you to our sponsor, the University of St. Thomas Opus College of Business. If you haven't already, please subscribe to By All Means wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you like what you hear, give us a good rating and a review. It really helps the show. I'm Allison Kaplan. On behalf of Twin Cities Business, thanks for listening to By All Means. Teamwork to make by all means, and we've got some all stars. Thanks to our audio engineer, Tom Ferlitti. Digital support is Ricky Hannigan and Dan Nepo. Thanks to the University of St. Thomas Senior Media Relations Manager, Vanita Sakar, and Associate Dean of the Schultz School of Entrepreneurship, Laura Dunham, for all their help. Our theme music is by Songfinch. Hope you enjoyed by all means. Bye.